Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Living, a practical guide for living the open-handed life every day. And specifically, welcome to part three of our series, Practice, Practice, Practice. And today we are going to be covering the concept of the difficult passage. And this is how it works. You go to your lesson, um, your teacher gives you a new piece to work on, and actually it's really fun. It's Sometimes it's quite easy and you start playing along like, cool, I love this piece. And you're playing along, having a great time until you're not anymore. All of a sudden you're at this difficult passage where you actually might even have just have to stop playing because you, you have absolutely no idea how to play this part. This is something you've never seen before. Perhaps the technique is too difficult. There are notes you don't recognize. It's going too fast, whatever, whatever the problem is. You get to your stumping point, and that's the difficult passage. And this is exactly, of course, parallel to our spiritual life, which if, which a lot of is actually really fun and cool and new and neat. I mean, being a Christian is awesome. Living for God is awesome. Walking in step with the Spirit is awesome. Being, um, you know, uh, living for the 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 creator and, and getting your life back to the way that he designed it to be actually produces a lot of peace. It, you know, that's what it feels like to follow the spirit is life and peace. And so there's so much good. You're counting your blessings. You're getting up every day and saying, thank you, God, for this and that. And, you know, releasing all your expectations. So everything is, you know, great until it's just not. And then you get to that point where you're like, what is going on? This is difficult. And, you know, every everything that we haven't encountered before, um, actually, even if even if it's not something inherently bad or evil or 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 uh, something that is directly uh, troublesome, can present a problem just because you've never done it before. So. This is the difficult passage, and so I'm hoping that I will be able to draw parallels from how I teach my violin students to practice and to how possibly God is trying to teach us to practice during these difficult times. Okay, so before you can even, um, before you even start practicing, this is the first thing to do is to observe your response to the difficult passage in life. This in itself is instructive. You know, because I have students, and when they get to that part that's that's difficult, that difficult part, they just they just get angry. They get so angry, they just you know, uh, they and they won't, they can't even learn anymore. You know, I have one of my students get so angry, I just have to go. Okay, we're gonna stop. Um, part of violin is gonna be hard. Practicing is gonna be hard sometimes, so we're gonna stop until we can get calm again so that we can learn because once anger has taken over the control center of your brain, there's no more learning going on. So we've talked about that before. Um, I have other students who, when they get to that part, they just like, you know, play faster, play faster, play faster, get through it, get it over with. <laughs> you know, let's get back to the fun part. And, uh, you know, we all know that this doesn't really work in our real life is, you know, we get to a difficult passage. There's no real way to skip over. We can try. We can go around it. We can do whatever it is we think we're going to do to subvert that issue. It's going to come back. So we know that going faster or just going around is not going to help anything. Um, I have other students that just, you know, it just makes them want to quit. Just want to quit. It's, oh, it's too hard. It's, oh, so they go into their self-pity and they just don't want to play. I don't want to play violin anymore. It's too difficult. Right. Then we have uh, other students. I have other students who, um, you know, they're like, ugh, that's too hard. Let's just change it. You know, <laughs> okay, funny story. When I was growing up, uh, I was taking piano lessons, um, and I had showed up to one of my lessons. We were playing this Christmas piece. It was a fun piece. And um, I went to my lesson, and I started playing it, and I got to this one part, and it had just, 
it, I had just decided that the way that it was written was just too difficult. I was just going to change it. So my teacher goes, you know, it's octaves down there. You need to hit. That's when you have to hit two notes at the same time. You know, it's octaves down there. You need to hit that. And I was like, no, nah, it's too hard. I'm just going to hit the one note. And she just started dying laughing. Now, I had no idea why she laughed until later on in life. But I had just decided, you know, I'm just going to rewrite it, do it my way. And I, you know, what's funny is that she was like, okay, fine. She laughed and said, I think she, in her mind, just went, well, it's not Mozart or it's not one of the great composers. It's just a Christmas piece, fine. You can change it if you want to. But, you know, you kept that, I just find that funny today that I was, that I was like, well, it's too hard to do it the way. I'll just do it my way. <laughs> okay, so we always have that student that wants to just change the way the piece was written to accommodate their own desires. And, you know, this whole thing is applicable to us. We have that time, you know, sometimes we just look at something and we think it's too hard. We want to change the standard, like God's being too difficult with this. And let's just say, it can't mean that. It must mean something easier. Just lighten up, you know, that's ridiculous. It can't be perfect anyway, blah, blah, blah. So all of these responses, the angry response, the play faster response, the quitting response, or the just don't bother, just change it response. You know, these are instructive to us to let us know what kind of person we are, and what is our knee-jerk response to something, what is our proclivity, or what is our default, some people would say. And that will help you just to analyze who you are a little bit. But once you have decided, I am actually going to practice this, I am going to face this difficult passage, then what do you do? So I have, I think it's five things that I, that I tell my students. One, two, three, four. Actually, only four things. Well, no, it is five things, sorry. Um, and the first thing is you need to isolate the passage. And what that means is that you need to figure out, well, where did I start stumbling? Like, where did it start going bad? And, quick, you know, identify what the actual passage is in the piece. And then you have to decide that you're going to address that first. Um, I always tell my students when they're going home to practice, like, don't start at the beginning of this piece, it's easy. Go straight to the hard passage. You need to go straight to this hard passage, you're gonna do it this way, and I'm gonna give you all those tips. But you go straight to that. You don't start with what's easy. And um, we learned this lesson uh, when we first moved to LA. Jay uh, met this guy, I can't remember why. I think that um, he was taking his instrument to this guy to be fixed. And this guy was um, really successful in the music industry, you know, definitely far ahead of us. And he um, became sort of like a mentor to Jay because Jay was just so curious. How did you, how did you do that? Like, how did you get successful? And that's one of the things that you have to do in life is identify somebody who's good at something that you want to be good at and try to imitate them, try to do what they're doing. And um, don't require them to be perfect in every single thing they do, but at least look at what they do well and go, I'm going to imitate that. But he, uh, this, the biggest thing we got from this guy, because I still remember it to this day, he's, he said, well, I, ha I live by um, a principle called fear, fear things first. I think I've talked about this before, but it's basically where he said, I, I, I list all the things I have to do that day. Um, you know, when I start out on my day and I look, at, I look for the hardest things, because those are the ones that I'm going to be afraid to do. And he goes, and I move them to the top of the list and I do the fear things first. That way everything else feels easy afterwards. And I sort of implement this in our schooling. We always do, we, we do our hardest things first um, to get them out of the way. 
it's a great life principle to live by. But this is the concept that when, when God has presented a difficult thing in your life, and once you have figured out what it is, like what is causing me to stumble? Is it a certain time of day that I can't get through? Um, you know, I do really great in the morning, but then at this part of the day, I don't, I, I can't really do well, or I don't do really well in the morning. <laughs> That's you. Um, maybe it's a particular stronghold that you're in recovery for right now, and it's requiring you to do a lot of things you don't want to do, like writing a journal, dealing with your feelings, identifying your feelings, whatever it is. Um, maybe it's a recurring evil thought that you have that you continually berate this family member in your mind, your spouse, a child. That actually does happen. We need to admit that you do that and so that you can actually deal with it. Don't pretend like you don't feel those things or think those things. Um, maybe it's a problem at work that you have. Uh, you don't like this particular supervisor. You do not like the fact that you have to submit to them. You think you have a better way and you're trying to battle those thoughts and um, become like Jesus. Or maybe it's just um, a particular task that you don't like to do so you try to skirt around it or whatever. Um, maybe it's respondingly, responding righteously at work or in parenting to something that's happening to you. See, first you must identify, well, where does it begin? You know, what is the difficult passage? I don't, where did I even start um, stumbling? And we had this happen to us recently where um, we have, uh, we were going about our day and Jay was, you know, we're trying to parent along the way, of course. And Jay goes, you know, I finally figured it out about this one particular kid. He said, it's, it's like, I, I'm doing fine until I get to a point where I have to correct something with this child. And they stare at me with a blank stare and like there's no, you know, no acknowledgement of my correction. There's no, oh, I can see that or I do that or I'm sorry, nothing, no response whatsoever. And he said, that's when I move from I'm going to correct to I'm angry. And that, that whole, that's where it is. When that happens, I go okay, that it's on. I'm no longer correcting. I am now berating, you know, in my, at least in his mind, you know, I'm start. And when it starts in your mind, you can be, uh, some of us, you can be pretty sure it's going to come out of the mouth pretty soon. That's why we have to clean up the back of the mind. May the meditations of my heart, it's not only the things that we say, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart bring you praise because the meditations of our heart start overflowing as you know uh, the out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks so when you allow evil thoughts to go on in your mind they're going to come out of your mouth at some point we think that is the sin it started in the mind that's a whole nother sermon i'm just saying you've got to now you've got to identify what is the difficult passage like where does it where does it even begin um so that i can actually do something about it okay the next thing you have to do after you kind of figure out what the passage is, you isolate it, you decide, I'm going to deal with it, it's feared things first, okay. Then you have to actually identify the problem. Okay, well, what is the problem exactly? I know I started stumbling here. Why? Um, is it a shifting problem? Are the notes really high? Do I not know what they are? Is it lots of sharps and flats or accidentals? Is it a string crossing that I'm not getting between, you know, is my bow not working properly? Or maybe I'm in the wrong part of the bow. What is it exactly that's causing the problem? Um, anything difficult, any difficult passage in life, you may have things coming at you, but it is your how you're responding to it that's making it not work. It's a sin. There's always a sin to correct. There's a sin at the at the at the core that we need to overcome. 
and reminded me of these passages that have instructed me and helped me uh, many times in my life. But Proverbs 4, in verse 19, it says, But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over or what makes them stumble. You know, when you get to these points where you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing wrong. I mean, I can think of many times in my life where I just can't figure out what my problem is. <laughs> what is your problem? <laughs> Sounds like something I would say to somebody else, but I have to actually say it to myself. What is your problem? And I honestly can't, I don't know. I don't even know what the problem is. Or um, maybe it's just that there's so much happening that I can't really sort it all through. Um, and this is definitely a passage that I have underlined in my Bible and it's Psalm 40, 12. It says, for troubles surround me, too many to count. My sins pile up so high, I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I have lost all courage. And there have been many times where that scripture has, has uh, described me where, you know, there are troubles surrounding me. Yeah, maybe it just happened to me. These are called tests that God is giving. But at the while that's happening, my sin is just piling up so much. I can't even sort through it anymore. It's more than the hairs on my head. I am a mess, as they would say. Um, coyote ugly. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's something from my past, I used to say. So, you know, your sins pile up and it's almost just too difficult to count. I can't figure out what it is. God, help me. Like, that, that's what he said. I've lost all courage. I'm like, God, I, I'm, I'm a mess. Help me. I feel like I'm just sitting here in a puddle. I'm a puddle. So you kind of have to decide, you know what? I got to go through here and identify what is actually causing me to stumble. And so... You have to decide, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to sort it through. You know, in a passage of music, I will tell uh, my students, we've got to um, figure this out here, what is exactly isolate what the problem is. And you need to isolate what the problem is. Sometimes things can be really, really complicated because it's not just one problem. So, you know, you have to go to God and 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 really believe, number one, that he can fix this and he can show it to you, but you have to pray to God, help me to see, help me to see clearly what is making me stumble. Two, you got to write that out. As you're writing, God is going to guide you. He's going to show you what the problem is. And then number three, you got to talk it through. So those are little sub points underneath identifying the problem. You cannot fix what you cannot identify. If you don't know what the problem is, it's not going to be fixed. It's like taking your car to the the shop and you tell them it's making this sound and of course when they drive it around it's not making the sound whatever that is they can't identify the problem um, so you cannot fix it until you can identify it now the good news about this is once you identify it you will be able to fix it because back in Proverbs 4 the verse before um, 19 and verse 18 it says but the way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. You know, once you can kind of pinpoint that problem and start going after that, it's like the first gleam of dawn. It's a little glimmer of hope. Wait, I know what it is. Ah, that's what it is. That's that motion you do when you go, I got it. Then you, when you identify what the problem is, that's just a gleam. That's just the glimmer. 
You know, it's just the beginning, but it's something, it's a hope. And then it grows and grows as you're able to work on that until it starts to shine brighter and brighter till the full light of day. Okay, so that's good news. You've identified the problem. Now, number three, you're going to deconstruct the passage is what we call it. And that's when you break it down into bite-sized bits where you go, someone has helped you to sort through. Sometimes you need help to sort through what your problem is. We need to go, okay, I got with someone the other day and I said, you know, she was generally having a, a problem um, that she had found a remedy to that was not godly. So I was like, okay, we need to we need to break this apart. It's too much. You're you're getting your you get you're getting it all confused. So here's one of the problems. Here's one of the problems, and here's one of the problems. When you're looking at a piece of music, you have many. You might have many different problems within this one passage um, that you have to work on. So you're going to break it down into baby steps. Baby steps are better. Baby steps are always better. You're going to take time along the way to go, okay, I'm going to identify these three. Okay, now I'm going to, I, we're, I'm going to go after that problem right there. And um, then you're going to take time to celebrate as you go along the baby steps of progress. You know, in Way Down, we would call this growl to growl. That means you only have to get to the next growl. You don't have to think about, I've conquered this for the rest of my life, or I'm going to do this all week, or I'm going to have a thousand spirit days in a row, or I'm going to, for seven days, or for a month. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> do not give yourself that. Right now, you just need to get to the next growl. You can have success. There's victory found behind the next growl. Um, you can do this one day at a time in recovery. We say, I don't have to be sober for the rest of my life. I just need to be sober for today. And sometimes we have to go one minute at a time. I don't need to be faithful. I don't have to think about getting through the whole day. Sometimes my day is overwhelming to me. Um, like, Today, I even woke up and for no apparent reason, I don't feel well, but there's no reason for that. I've had the best, yesterday was the best day. This has been the best week. I turned 50 yesterday. It's amazing. Like I'm in my year of Jubilee and uh, yesterday was amazing. And I'm like, but the next day, really? Okay. <laughs> so I can't think about the whole day. You can't think about the whole day. I just need to be faithful for the next whatever, for the next minute, one minute at a time, one hour at a time. Oh, hat. Oh, Matt, or oh, Dad. However, you need to do it one day at a time, one minute at a time, one hour at a time. You just break it down and you go, I just need to be faithful for this much time. And I just need to get through this part of this problem. And when you do, you need to celebrate that. Yay. Okay, this is better. I understand this better. Um, you know, something that is really great about taking lessons and, and it's is that um, when you're taking violin lessons, it's this very tangible um, way of noticing, oh, I don't know how to do that. You know, so the other day I was having this lesson uh, with one of my students, very good student, but I was playing this passage and I would play it. And then of course they would realize they play it, it doesn't sound the same. Oh yeah. And that it forces them to ask this question. Okay. Why, why can't I do that? Or, you know, why, why can't I play that? Or why don't I sound like you? This is a very humble question that we have to ask in life, but we just don't is, why can't I do that? Why don't I sound like that? Why don't I look like that? Why don't, why can't I do that? We get into a humble position and then all of a sudden the teacher can say, oh yeah, your bow, you're going too slow. Go faster with your bow, get to the frog, now take a down bow. And that way it's very tangible. Oh, once I did what exactly what she said, oh look, I can play it now. 
And this is a spiritual lesson that we have to apply to our life, that the person that, that, that we're trying to imitate, somebody in our life that's been given to us as a leader or an instructor, um, if we will ask them specifically, how did you do that? Then we will learn so much more if we just wait to somehow by osmosis pick up, and that does happen too, that when you're just around someone, some you know their good qualities rub off on you, and that is true. But sometimes we specifically say, "How did you do that?" and be willing to humble ourselves. And you know, I've been trying to lose weight all this time. How did you do that? And or how do you keep it off? Or how do you? I'm trying to share my faith. How do you do that? You know, in our our D group the other day. Um, one of my things I'm really trying to imitate, trying to go after with all my heart is I want to become a person who shares my faith wherever I go. You're going to hear me say that for a long time because I'm determined. But, you know, I have two group, two girls at my, two women in my D group who are like great at it. So I had to just go, how exactly? And I'm, every single time I'm with them, I feel like I'm deconstructing like exactly. What does that feel like when you do that? How did you do that? And it's been so instructive for me. Anyway, so asking that humble question. Okay, number four. The fourth thing we have to do is we have to slow down. Okay, so whenever you have a difficult passage in music, you you cannot pack. You cannot practice it quickly. You have to go very very slowly, and this is a very interesting thing. All of my kids always ask, "Well, how slow do I have to go?" Isn't that funny that that's just our human nature, that we look at going slowly as if it's going to be a punishment? Well, how slow do I have to go? Does it take forever? That is a normal, natural human response, is that we look at going slow as being torturous, as being something bad, as um, in our whole culture does, actually. We look at being slow, going slowly as inefficient. You're stopped at a red light. The red light, you know, turns all of a sudden, you know, the person behind you, because you're getting in their way because you're making them go slower. No one likes to go slowly. In fact, this is such a huge topic that I'm actually going to be doing an entire series after this about this topic. But for now, I will just tell you that what I tell my students is you can go as fast as you can play that passage perfectly. And then we play it to see how slowly we have to go. We use something called a metronome. This is so funny that in music, you actually have to use something called a metronome that will keep time for you because your proclivity will be to go too fast. You will try to rush through something. So you take out your metronome and you set it at a very slow pace and you go, okay, I'm going to play that passage with this metronome, forcing me to go slowly and play it perfectly. And then after I can play it perfectly at that tempo, I will be allowed to go a little bit faster. So I bump it up. I always say bump it up two clicks. That's why I tell my students, bump it up two clicks. So we bump it up and then we play it slowly until we play it perfectly at that tempo. Okay, you can bump it up two more clicks. You know, they may have to go from 60 to 120, but we're going to go only as fast as they can play it perfectly. Now think about this. Rushing delays the progress. If you rush you will actually slow down the process. <laughs> but we are just not willing sometimes, you know, and I see this around me. Some of us are just not willing. We are still dealing with the same problems just because you weren't willing to go slow enough. You weren't willing. You say, I haven't been able to do this. I haven't been able to get over this or I haven't been able to conquer this stronghold or whatever. You just weren't willing to go slow enough. You weren't willing to take out the other things in your calendar or take, take out whatever else it was that um, causes you to rush. 
and go, I'm willing to go slow enough in my life to be able to actually deal with this stronghold. Anyway, more on that later, but I'm just telling you, if you want to conquer anything, if you want to get through a difficult passage in your life, you're going to have to go slower in order to deal with it. Okay, number five. You, when you are repeating that passage, because that's what has to happen, you figure out what the problem is, you break it down, and you repeat that. You take it slowly, and you repeat that passage as many times as you need to. Well, while you're repeating that passage, my kids are, how many times do I have to do it? I always, I sort of go by their age, which is kind of funny because I go, are you six? You know, my, my little six-year-olds, you can do it six times a day. Are you 12? Okay, 12 times, 12 times every day. Um, so, okay, 45-year-old. <laughs> okay, 30-year-old. Okay, 65-year-old. You're going to need to do it 65 times. And this is a, this is honestly a, um, sort of a spiritual truth that I have learned is that the older you are, the more times you're going to have to actually practice. You're going to have to repeat it more and more and more. Um, because I realized this as, you know, when I look at my teens and how when they decide they're going to go after something, um, they actually can repent and get better at it quicker than my, the adults that I lead because they haven't had as many years of, you know, doing the wrong thing. So, you have to be willing to repeat, you have to be willing for God to repeat these lessons as many times as necessary and for you to repeat it. And what I always tell my students is it's thoughtful repetition, not going through the motions, not mindlessly playing something. No, no, no. <laughs> you have to be thoughtfully repeating. You have to be aware. Where is that F sharp? Where's the shift going? Where, how far am I stretching? What am I doing with my hand? How does it feel? Thoughtful repetition. You're not thinking about what you're going to do later. You're not thinking about what you're going to eat later. You're not thinking about anything else. You're giving thoughtful repetition to this problem. Okay. Um, then that, those, those basically are my five things. So you isolate the passage. You identify the problem. You deconstruct it. You slow down and you give thoughtful repetition. And then if you do all that, pretty soon you'll be able to play that. But I'm ending with this, um, and th this is the question. Are you still not getting it? Okay, because sometimes you can do all of those things and you're still not getting it. First, I would say, number one, go back to your responses. From the very beginning, before I gave you those five things, and I said, what is your response to a difficult passage in life? Do you get angry? Do you try to go faster and get around it? Do you fall into self-pity? Or do you fall into the category of trying to convince God that he's the one that needs to change? <laughs> We're going to change the composer's uh, original intent here because they got to go a better way. One of those things is happening to you. I guarantee you, go back to your knee-jerk response and go, which one is it? Have I fallen into self-pity? <laughs> Am I trying to change God? instead of myself or change the environment instead of myself? Am I getting really angry or am I trying to skirt around the issue by going faster? Okay, that's one thing that it could be. Um, but another thing that it could be is actually that you're, it's just what we call a technical immaturity. Okay, let me explain this. In every piece that you ever play, there are going to be certain passages that are just above your technical ability. They are above your head. 
okay? And you are just not going to ever sound perfect. You can practice it as long as you want, but at this point in your life, you're just not gonna sound perfect on that passage. Now, the rest of the piece, you're gonna enjoy, you can have fun, it's beautiful. At that point, it's gonna not sound as good right now because you're just not, you don't have the technique that's required for that passage. But the thing is, because we cannot sound perfect, because of some of us are so prideful, <laughs> and we are just flat embarrassed to make mistakes, that we just won't play the piece. We're just not willing to sound bad, so I'm just not going to play the piece. I'm not willing to get up on stage and play in front of other people and not sound perfect in every way. Well, of course, this is the way that it looks in our spiritual life, is that because certain parts of whatever God's calling us to do are difficult, we're just not willing to do it. We're just not willing. You know, um, it's interesting because whenever you're leading people, you are going to make mistakes. Absolutely, you're going to make mistakes. And if you're not willing to make mistakes in front of people, then you're just not going to be, all these people are not going to be led. Look, I'm gonna make a lot of mistakes. There's gonna be mistakes in this video. I could go back and recut it and recut it and recut it and recut it till every every single mistake is out of it. So I never rolled my eyes and I never sounded condescending and I never sounded like whatever, 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 whatever. Then no one's gonna get led. Then you're gonna miss all this other stuff that is good. Yes, do I know that I say things in a in not perfect way all the time? Absolutely, but I do say some things that you can, you can hold on to. If I waited not to make a mistake, no one would ever get led. Being in the ministry is being willing to make your mistakes publicly. And I would just ask all of you that are called to follow someone that is in the ministry, can you cut them some slack? That's one thing I would say, is that do you require the people that lead you to be perfect in every single way before you will follow what they say? That's a problem. That's a whole nother sermon. But, but I'm talking to you. Are you waiting for yourself to be perfect before you're willing to lead anybody else or do anything that God has called you to step into? You're not going to be perfect at all of it. Some of it is going to be above your head. Some of it is going to be, you know, it's going to require a technique that you haven't learned yet. You know, every time I speak, I say something I regret. Every time I delegate something, too, then you think you're doing great. Well, I'm going to learn how to delegate. And, I'm going to, and then, of course, the person I delegate it to, they don't do it perfectly either. And then I have to suffer not only for my sins, but, of course, the way that was done. But that's just the way that it is. That's why God calls us to be a forgiving, loving community and to treat other people as we would like to be treated. You know, we are going to make mistakes, and we can't let our pride keep us from doing what God is calling us to do just because we won't be perfect at it. You know, our embarrassment cannot dictate. Embarrassment is a feeling that we need to acknowledge and say, yeah, I'm embarrassed. Every single day after I speak publicly, I feel embarrassed. It's my pride because I want it to be better than it is. I want it to be perfect, and I don't want to say anything I ever regret, and I don't ever want to make a mistake on these, you know. I've done things, I'm like, oh, that didn't work. I mean, in total, totally implementing something, oh, that didn't work. You know, what, are you willing? Are you willing to play a piece that's over your head? That, that just a little bit, this passage here, this passage there? You know, we, I don't, I'm not saying that we can, you know, there's definitely times where some, a piece is just too difficult. You're not ready for that yet. You're not ready for that role. You may not be ready for that role. But you're, you, you are ready for whatever God is calling you to. He's going to equip you along the way. Sometimes I feel like I am, I wasn't ready to adopt <laughs> because I feel like God didn't, uh, you know, it's, it's not coming quick enough. And I, I, he's not me. I have to remember, no, 
God doesn't call us to anything that he's not willing to equip us for. So whatever difficult passage you're going through in your life right now, God will equip you along the way as long as you're willing to let him um, to, to make some mistakes along the way and let him fix them for you. Say you're sorry a lot. It's humbling. Amen. Go for it anyway. I hope this helps you to, to go through the difficult passages in your life.